possible lives continue to be scrutinized. Each new discovery about him is greeted with heated discussion. All of it feeds our curiosity about the one that never got caught, Jack the Ripper. It is the perfect name for a villain. It is probably too perfect. The letters that gave him his name are most likely hoaxes, perpetrated by a journalist wanting to boost sales, but the name remains. We know the name before we ever know anything about the case. It's as if we've been born with that name in our heads, part of our common mythology. It's all part of the trouble with Jack. Jack, familiar name for John, a name of fairy tales and legends, Jack the Giant Killer, Jack and Jill, Jack be Nimble, Jolly Jack Tar. Well, the Ripper was often described as wearing a sailor's hat. London, no stranger to crimes or legends, had already been visited by one malevolent Jack in the 1800s. Spring-heeled Jack, a fire-breathing, metal-taloned monster capable of prodigious leaps, who attacked bewildered London suburb dwellers. His reign of terror from 1838 to around 1904 saw him enshrined in nursery folklore as a bogeyman and as a popular figure for the Penny Dreadfuls. Curiously, just as the new Jack moved into London, the old one was spotted in Liverpool. The Ripper? Well, he certainly ripped up his victims, and several suspects were claimed to have threatened to rip up people. Late 19th century slang already used the word to mean both a first-rate man and a person who behaves badly. So was the name meant as a clue? Or was it used because it sounded cool or frightening? That's the trouble with Jack. Everything has been analysed to the ninth degree. Everyone knows too much, and yet no one knows anything. Each new theory pours over the same details, the same cold entrails, searching for meaning, for an identity to leap out. Princes are named, doctors, writers, sailors. A game of cherry stones would be an equally useful divining tool. The trouble with Jack is that we can only build up his appearance through other people's perceptions and experiences. What he did to his victims and the mixed descriptions of the sightings of men with the victims are continually cited. Everything is coloured by press reports. The public's reactions, the police's inability to find so much as a trace of him, and the memoirs and theories that paint many different pictures. Even by Hollywood. A man of medium build with a curled-up moustache and a sailor's hat. A top-hatted, caped toff with a little black bag sweeping through a pea super. The devil himself. Jack shifts and morphs in our imagination the more that we read, and that's without his supposed diary. The lies that surround him are enough to send anyone mad. He removed Kelly's fetus. She wasn't even pregnant. He fed his victims poisoned grapes. Greengrocer Matthew Packer, the only witness to this fact, changed his story every day. He left ritualistic patterns of the victims' belongings near the corpses. Nope. And so on and on. Stephen Knight quotes the protocols of the Elders of Zion, an early 20th century anti-Semitic hoax, as being Masonic oaths. Donald McCormick dramatises scenes, complete with Cockney sing-songs, but insists that the dialogue is authentic. Jonathan Goodman named Peter J. Harpick as a suspect, complete with background and history in his book Who He, 1984. 
Although this was clearly an anagram, requests for further information about Harpik over the years left Goodman with a low opinion of Ripper enthusiasts. AP Wolf starts by claiming Ripperologists' infighting has obscured all truth behind the Ripper case, and then savages Colin Wilson. Paul Feldman as good as invites anyone who doubts the veracity of Maybrick's diary outside for a fight. The myth sucks you in. Each step you take pulls you harder, deeper. You fight your corner by whatever means necessary because you, and you alone, have the truth. The truth? The incredible police investigation into the crimes derived not from sympathy for the victims, but from politics. In 1876, corruption on a massive scale had been uncovered in the higher echelons of the CID. The Metropolitan Police, under Sir Charles Warren, were regarded as an increasingly militaristic force. The press, previously in favour of the forces of law and order cracking down...